Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Manchester City, 98 points. Liverpool, 97 points. The title is staying in Manchester as Pep Guardiola's side goes back-to-back back at the top of the Premier League. And the wait... For Liverpool fans, well, it just goes on for one more year. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the Gagging Pod, a early morning edition as we review all the twists and turns of the final day. David Wiener with you, joined at Optus HQ by Michael Bridges. How are you, mate? How are you holding up? Very well. Good morning. It's been great, great morning football. And I'm joined on the line from Brighton by Mark Schwarzer and Liverpool, where we've got Ned Zelich standing by. But, Bridget, we'll just start with you for your run-through of the night. It was almost a live Liverpool fans and then gone so quickly, but we did have some drama tonight. Yeah, we certainly did, and especially after the week we've had, I was expecting a little bit more drama. And, you know, Glenn Murray getting the goal from the corner for Brighton to send the shockwaves to Anfield, seeing the fans celebrate. Obviously, we'll hear a bit more about it um, from Ned to see see what his thoughts were. But it was almost the goal that kick-started City. Because straight away, 90 seconds later, Aguero doing what he does best, putting the ball in the back of the net, and then the man that was the hero for Brighton and Glenn Murray was the man that switched off for Laporte to get the goal. And it was just an incredible... From from that moment on, Dave, I could not see anything else happening. No drama. City controlled the game beautifully, as they always do. Schwartzy, you had a night out with the champions tonight. How are you? And I'm just wondering what the atmosphere was like when that Glenn Murray goal went in. It must have been fascinating to see uh, the home side rouse and the City fans that were there just sort of probably be shocked. Yeah, no, listen, it was a, a very tense afternoon. I mean, we, we were here from early in the morning, so it's getting to a lot of Manchester supporters. I was very confident, um, overly confident, actually, uh, the vast majority of them that, that, that City were going to do the job. Um, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, as the game progressed, I mean, City were a bit cagey. They weren't playing some great football. I thought uh, Brian did well to, to nullify the, any danger. They sat quite deep in the out of you played behind. And when that goal went in, um, the whole the whole stadium, other than one end of the goal, behind one end of the goal, went absolutely crazy. Um, it seemed like they were having uh, a lot of joy in uh, potentially disrupting uh, Man City winning the Champions League. I uh, say winning the, the Premier League title. So it was uh, it was impressive, you know, to, to see it. And obviously, it was very shortly, within what two minutes or so, Man City are back on front. Like Bridget said, oh, from that point onwards, it just didn't look like there was ever going to be any other winner other than. Manchester City. Ned, what was the noise like at Anfield, both when Sadio Mane scored to put them ahead and then the double of Glenn Murray going? What must have been a rollercoaster of emotions for you tonight? Yeah, it was. And uh, certainly just walking around the city as well, uh, pre-game. I mean, people were were a bit reserved, um, but, but at the same time, they you know, knew what sort of a football week it was. So there was always... Um, a slight bit of expectation that something crazy might happen, and uh, and then when uh, when Brighton scored that first goal, um, and uh, the news sort of slowly filtered through in the stadium, it was just amazing. 
it was amazing. And then all of a sudden, uh, the equaliser, Manchester City. I mean, Liverpool were champions for, I believe, 21 minutes. <laughs> um, and then when that second goal went in, everyone pretty much knew there's no coming back for Brighton. Um, and Liverpool, fair to say, got the job done, and that's that's all they could do today. Focused on getting the three points, which which they did. It looked like at the start of the game that uh, Wolves would be tough to break down. I mean, they've had a great season, but it was just interesting as well. I mean, we we spoke to a few Wolves fans before the game in the city, and they were they said they'd be quite happy with Liverpool winning the title. And uh, and when that second goal went in for Manchester City, you actually saw division within the the, the Wolves fans. <laughs> Half of them were celebrating, the others were fairly quiet. Well, which, which half were giving the, the false updates? Did you hear some of them, Ned, that, that they were giving false updates from Manchester City to try and almost troll the Liverpool fans and torment them a little bit? Well, I mean, there, was, there were a few bizarre moments, like in the stadium, you know. Like, I was sitting next to a few people and, uh, um, I mean, obviously there were people there with radios as well. And, and then all of a sudden, you had a section of the crowd celebrating and no one knew what was going on. I mean, I was looking at my phone, sort of notifications still hadn't come through what was happening in Brighton. So you had sections of the crowd celebrating. You had other people like thinking, what the hell is going on? And, uh, and, and Wolves fans were just doing anything that came into their minds, you know? So it was, uh, it was crazy scenes at, uh, uh, during that first half, but, um, you know, it was great as well post-match. I mean, obviously, everyone knows that Liverpool have got a massive game in the Champions League. Um, so, in the end, they could actually end up uh, celebrating in the city. You know, uh, open top buffs and all the rest. The discussions were going on. What's going to happen if we win the title? Will something happen tomorrow? And, and, and those discussions were taking place. But, look, um, after the season that they've had, I mean, and come through a really tough Champions League path, but... Um, personally, I'd just love to see Liverpool win it. Just so the scenes post-match as well, the players with their families on the pitch and, and the cop was just um, so supportive of the players and so much respect as well. Just being there live was, was an amazing experience. Brigitte, they did have the Premier League lead or the Premier League trophy in their grasp for 20 minutes and five seconds, I think it was. But that Manchester City side, um, even though in recent weeks they haven't been at their best, they still have that ability to find a match with it doesn't matter where it is on the park. And that's a sign of champions. That's what happened. I remember Ferguson when they used to win it. They found a way to win. You know, Vincent Company with a super strike midweek, um, getting the goal. They've had a lot of lot of late drama as well. Not as much as Liverpool, mind. They've had some fantastic late results. But it was just the manner in which they controlled the game and you kick-started the giant. Champions know how to find a way. That comes from the manager. That comes from winning it before as well. They've, they've been there. They've done it. Vincent Company's lifted it four times now. Only him, Roy Keane, and John Terry, who's lifted five times. That is some achievement. They knew how to win it. Liverpool have been playing catch-up, and it's been a fantastic race to follow. But I just I just felt when when that second goal went in, and then the man that missed the penalty in Mahrez mm. for the last time when he blazed it over the bar against Liverpool, he had a point to prove. Uh, Pep, Pep almost knew that. It was instinct, and the goal that he scored was wonderful, and that was it. Game, set, and match. And it really put a dagger through the heart of Liverpool. But like Ned was saying, they can bounce back in that Champions League final. They've got something else to look forward to. How this affects them, I don't know. It only um, remains to be seen. Schwartzy, you were in and among some of the celebrations afterwards with some interviews that we'll see on Optus Sport throughout the week. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and some of the sentiment from the players and, and how they were reacting and what it was like being amongst the champagne flowing? 
Yeah, that's what I mean. It was obviously a sheer jubilation post uh, post the final, which was obviously the, the celebration sort of was started before that, almost on the side of the pitch. Um, Brisbane company was taken off uh, with the last sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes to play and, you know, got a standing ovation actually from the whole stadium. So I don't quite know whether that was maybe a fending off, maybe potentially last game in a city shirt. Who knows? Um, but uh, we saw Brian do it, same with Bruno. Bruno announced during the week he's retiring. So there was some, some, some fantastic scenes at the stadium. Um, and obviously, once the final whistle goes, you could see the, the joy and the jubilation from, from all of the city, not only supporters, but the support staff. I mean, they all came down. It was a, it was a great gesture, actually, to see that, you know, Manchester City has obviously taken a lot of consideration. They brought over a number of staff down with them who had played their part. Um, and there were literally, oh, I would say, at least 50, 60 support staff um, that were there on the pitch afterwards. And, and uh, it was brilliant to see. The players just, I think a lot of players, not, not that they couldn't believe it, but I think sheer relief, um, the way that the season has now unfolded. I think the fact that, you know, it's a shame also that, that you know, one of the two teams had to, to finish up second. You know, both teams, Liverpool and, and Manchester City, would have deserved to have won the Premier League title. And, and, and as it always is, as you know, there's only ever one winner. And, and uh, Manchester City was just that little bit better over the course of 38 games. Um, and a little bit, we talk about one point better. Um, and that's there, yeah, that's the difference in the end. So, um, you know, I spoke to, to a number of players after the game, Ray admirers compared it to try to talk to you and ask him a question about comparing it with uh, what it was like to win it with Leicester. And, uh, you know, he said it's too different. You know, it's very, very different uh, uh, um, title wins by the fact that, you know, Manchester City, the, you know, the competition for places, the frustration, he had to play every week, but he knew that was going to be the case. And then today playing a massive part in, in, in winning the game, I thought he had a very good game today. He did indeed, and he was a matchman. It's almost a symbolic matchman too, given that he hasn't been someone that, as you say, has been in the side every week, but yet there he was, brought into the side for this game, club record signing, and still has the... He was the one that put the game beyond reach, so to speak. So it almost sums up, when you look at the, the golf in class or the depth that Manchester City have, it's probably almost fitting that someone like Mares got that winning goal. Yeah, listen, I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal player, huge, huge talent, um, and, and there are times... I think for him, what's difficult is when you come from a side where you play every week, regardless, and you're the main, you're the focal point of that team. The challenge is when you go to a, when you get a bigger club, when you've got competition for places, is that not playing every week, losing your rhythm a little bit, but trying to maintain it. So, so he's like six games without playing a game. So you, you could argue and say, well, he should be fresh. Actually, what's probably going to happen? He's going to drop a little bit down on fitness. Um, match match game fitness, and that, that's always a concern. However, he didn't show it. Um, I said to, to Richard Bayless, you know, I said to him, you know, these, these are the games that are really tough to play. Not only are they playing for the Premier League title, which in itself is phenomenal, but when the weather changes, you know, the weather's a bit, a bit warmer today, the sun was out. Um, that slight change makes a big, big difference for, for the teams. Um, but I think uh, Manchester City, like I said, second half in particular, coasted. Um, they didn't look in danger at all. They always looked like they'd, they'd uh, had another gear they needed to, 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 to go into it. And I think the key moment came when Brighton scored. And it, it awoke in the beast. Yeah, it did. And, and, and Ned, what was, when did the bubble burst at Anfield? When did they sort of realise it had gone? And, and you mentioned that the, the hope of the Champions League. W- was it hope that all of a sudden we've got still a chance to get something brilliant out of this season? Or was there still a tinge of regret or what if? Look, uh, you know, um, a lot of people are uh, clearly looking back now on the season and um, clearly when you do analyse 
what happened with Liverpool being seven points ahead at one stage, then you've got to look at where they lost it. I mean, a lot of fans I spoke to believe that uh, that game was key, the one that they lost against Manchester City. I disagree um, because if you look at back at round 24, um, City actually lost. Uh, that game before they actually went out and won 14 in a row against Newcastle and, and Liverpool had a great chance to uh, to go seven points ahead again with the, with the home match against Leicester which they ended up uh, drawing and then you've got a situation where you're combining uh, Premier League with Champions doing well in the Champions League as well which is a bit of a challenge for Liverpool and, um, and clearly Man City have tremendous depth and then a few injuries here and there. You go to places like Manchester United who are up for the fight. You go to a place like Everton, the Merseyside Derby, where they lift as well and uh, you end up coming away with one point. And then another one, away to West Ham, where uh, you end up scoreless as well and draw. So those are the ones where, you know, if you look back, um, they points away, which, uh, you know, would have been... Uh, um, valuable in, in, in the end to them. But uh, who, nobody expected really Man City to go on, and credit to them, to go on, on, on such a run. And I think the key get, game was the one um, where they beat Spurs at home 1-0. That was a really gritty performance. And they really had to pick themselves up as well after um, being eliminated in the Champions League a few days earlier. That was the key match. I mean, clearly, um, everyone talks about the company's goal against Leicester and, and this and that. But I just had a feeling during that game they would end up scoring. And the key for me was what they do in that Spurs game. And they ended up, like I said, putting in a top gritty performance. And uh, and that was absolutely key for them. Where do you think it was uh, won and lost, Bridgie? What was the turning point for you? Turning point had to be, for me, the game where it was a seven-point difference between the two teams. Liverpool win the game, they go 10 clear. City win the game, it went back to four. That was the turning point where City got the backs up. I just felt like it goes 10 points, absolutely over. And I think Liverpool really, really started to panic there after that game. And what what I love is just the battle that Pep Pep has actually had this challenge with Klopp as well. I've loved what what you know watching it. You know when we had Messi against Ronaldo in in, in La Liga, they almost got the best out of each other. And Klopp has definitely got the best out of Pep. And if, you know he's challenged him all the way yet again. But that was the game when I thought, hang on a minute this is where they've got a moment and City are going to close the gap. And even just this morning when Pep Guardiola was talking, he said, I'm in dreamland. I've got to pinch myself because I can't believe that we have managed after being seven points behind that we are in this situation to win the to win the league today. He knows and he recognised that that was the game that changed the season. And the character of this Liverpool side where even though you mentioned those results where they did, where it did swing in this current push they refuse to drop points. And in the end, they're only a, a Manchester City defeat away from being Centurions. What about the character that even today they held the composure? And, and it sort of, Pep Guardiola spoke after the game about how if it wasn't for that composure that they showed and the way they pushed, the Manchester City wouldn't have gone to that level. What do you make of, of those comments and, and the character and, and persistence of this Liverpool side? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, clearly a side with um, tremendous mental strength and, and character, and um, they've shown that in uh, both competitions. I mean, um, to knock Barcelona out um, and score four goals against them at home just really uh, showed what sort of um, spirit runs through this team. And uh, the great mix as well of some of the players that have come through. I mean, if you look at Robertson, 
Um, you've got uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who has been sensational. Uh, Van Dyke coming in has been an absolute machine at the back. And then experience to Milner, Henderson. Um, and let's not forget, um, you know, I mean, clearly they've got attacking weapons up front as well. Let's not forget some of the places that they've, uh, the players that they've had to replace as well. I mean, Luis Suarez leaving, uh, Coutinho leaving as well. So that's uh, that's always uh, going to be a challenge for a club like Liverpool as well. But, I mean, you know, if you look at uh, what Klopp has done and just, um, I remember speaking when he was at Dortmund and the sort of philosophy that he likes to instill into his side. And he's got that and he's worked towards that and he's got them playing exactly how... Um, he wants them to play. It's been very enjoyable to watch. Great attacking football, just so energetic. And uh, you, you can certainly understand. Uh, well, a lot of people understand now when uh, when he uh, put out that comment about heavy metal football, you know, what he wants from his team. It's, it's, uh, it's just a side that uh, runs all day and has the capacity to play that high-energy game. And, and what they did against Barcelona as well, I mean, that was just relentless pressing from guys that... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they, they would have collapsed in the dressing room after the game. Just the amount of energy um, they put into uh, that performance. And, and that's, that's what Klopp wanted. So um, I, I guess it's a case of now just uh, looking how to surpass this great Manchester City side uh, next season to be able to be in a position to actually win the title. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The biggest challenge for, for Liverpool now is that they've got to start delivering trophies. It's, it's, it's like Spurs. You know, there, there's a chance now we've got to merge here, Pochettino in charge, five years, um, you know, yet to deliver any silverware. I mean, Liverpool... You know they need to start delivering. So yeah, you know they've been phenomenal. The the um, I think the the progress they've made under Jurgen Klopp has been sensational. They're a great team to watch. Um, they've, they've gotten better this season. Um, key is keeping key players. You see, Mane's been linked with possibly moving. Um, and I think you know when you look at uh, Jurgen Klopp's record in, in in finals. It's not good. Um, he needs to try and turn that around. He needs to continue to take it that one step further and try and deliver more silverware. Um, and if he starts doing that, I think his team will really start to grow. If they don't, then they're going to have the problem, like Tottenham potentially. If they miss out on winning the Champions League, how are they going to keep players? You know, the clubs are going to start knocking on doors and, and it's going to be very difficult to persuade players that this is the right place for you to be to win silverware. Well, there's definitely going to be one of their managers winning something at the end of this season because they're playing each other in the Champions League. So something's going to give. And um, I'm hoping that it's Spurs, obviously, and Ned's hoping that it's Liverpool. So really looking forward to seeing what happens there and seeing one of the managers, how they kickstart their trophy cabinet, therefore, after when they finally win something. 
there, it's an interesting point you make there, Bridgie, though, because those two managers are almost the epitome of, of two guys who have moulded clubs based on their philosophies. They've stuck to it. They've shown what you can do with a plan. One of them will get the reward, but it sums up at the moment this basically where the success has come from in, with English football, with Guardiola as well, and, and you throw a couple of other managers into the mix. Yeah, I, I think that's the key factor. The Premier League's always had the biggest amount of money. They've had the big budgets. It's been, you know global, especially in Asia, off the back of Manchester United and Liverpool. But what the Premier League has really lacked, I think, is a, is a real good bunch of quality managers that have come with their own philosophy, their own vision, and have been given time. And that's what these guys have done. Klopp, Pochettino, Pep's coming. You know, Unai Emery, great to have him at Arsenal. Sorry, Ball. It's, they've all brought a different type of culture, and they're all bringing the best out of the players. And it's had a knock-on effect at the national level for England. And I just think it's the best time in the Premier League at the moment. Why these teams having so much success in the like European uh, Champions League, the Europa League? It's the players have got to take a lot of credit, but it's, it's for me, it's all about the managers and the way that these two in Klopp and Pochettino have been there for a vision and a long term have been allowed to do and develop a whole, you know, a culture, set a culture at a club that is a, that spreads development. It spreads joy, um, and it's you can see where it's taken the fans and where it's gone the stadium. It's brilliant. Schwartzy Pep was at Guardiola was absolutely over the moon after the game, and rightly so. Um, what did you observe of him through through close quarters today? And and just a mark on on his impact and legacy on English football that he's made over the last couple of years. Well, listen. I mean, you could clearly see. You know, there was, there was a lot of uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress levels were, were high. There was, there was early frustration in terms of the way that you know Manchester City seemed to not really settle into the game, um, couldn't really get a foothold, and a lot of a lot of straight passes. Um, you could see that there was frustration, but there was still also the element of calmness uh, at times. And I think that, like I said, that that goal, the first, the, the conceding the goal against Brian, there was no panic. There was no. There was no sense, even from the players, there was just encouragement and uh, you know, players reiterating to themselves the job that they need to do. And, and I think that's what was impressive about it. Um, and, you know, we talk about, and Bridget mentioned it there, about success and success breeds confidence. Um, and, and delivering silverware gives you the biggest confidence, full stop. It, it believes you're the top of the world. When I, when I interviewed uh, Vincent Company last season, he talked about the fact of winning, winning a Premier League back to back. He said when they first won it, it was a 2011-2012 season. He thought they'd go on and win it for a number of years in a row, and they didn't. They didn't manage to do it. They missed out the next season. They won it the season afterwards. Because the biggest challenge is, firstly, it's obviously difficult to win it, but the biggest challenge is actually retaining it. And obviously, they've accomplished that now. So they're going to go from strength to strength. Um, so that's the key with, with the likes of anyone who wants to try and match them, stay up with them. And the likes of Liverpool, Tottenham, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, um, the key is that they need to start delivering and delivering regularly. Yes, obviously, two of those teams are going to win and deliver silverware. It's going to be interesting to see how they take off, how they progress then from that. Will they make the most of it? Or will they lose players, you know, still, because of the success? Um, will that generate interest from outside? Will they be poached their players and poached away? Um, but, you know, that, that's always an interesting thing. You know, it's brilliant. You know, the Europa League and the Champions League, the fact that it's four. English teams in the competition is incredible. It's brilliant. It's what was you were saying. It's about the, the international managers that have come along, the, the flair, their own style that they've brought um, has been been brilliant. And uh, it's the place to be. It's, it's, it's all four teams are there by, by right, really. 
So what happens now then in terms of Manchester City, we'll start with them. You talk about pushing on. Can they go back to back to back? Can you keep this side together? What do you predict will happen over the next few months and, uh, and, and into next season? Do, do, I, do I think, I mean, listen, I, I think Manchester City, you know, they've raised the bar. They've raised the, the bar the way the football game has been played in this country um, and even around Europe. Yes, at the moment they haven't had the success in Europe. That's the one thing that you can turn around and, and, and if there's any criticism that you can direct towards Manchester City and Pep Guardiola is that in Europe they haven't delivered as yet. Not what they've delivered in, in domestically. Um, you know, listen, we're, we're seven days away or six days away from Manchester City potentially winning the, the treble, which, which, you know what, you should be a brave man to bet against them. Um, you can also be a very brave man to bet against Manchester City not retaining it next season again. I mean, they've got to start out as favourites. I mean, they're, they're, they're a phenomenal squad. There's no doubt they'll, they'll add to it. Uh, to the squad, there may be one or two players leaving, um, or maybe a couple more. Who knows? Um, but he'll add to it, and, and, and it's a scary thought really to, to think that over the course of the season, I think they've been better. Um, Liverpool obviously has, has pushed them all the way, so now it's a case of can Liverpool re-deliver? Can they deliver what they're doing today? Uh, this season, sorry, can they go that one step forward uh, further than, than 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 what they've done this season? Can they win the title? Um, and, and, and that in itself, for Liverpool, we've talked about this in the, in the past, is that I think the added pressure on Liverpool winning a Premier League title is so much greater than any other team in this country. Um, so I think that, that pressure also has told on the players over, over the course of many years. Um, but there seems to be a new sense of belief in this team. And, and I think if they win the Champions League, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go on to another level. And I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Premier League title next season. Interesting. Ned, what did what Liverpool have to do? What's the word on the street there? What was the what was the atmosphere amongst the fans? Do they feel like they can go that next step or was it almost a case of it was it was now or never? The, the fact that they've got uh, such a massive game coming up in a few weeks with the Champions League um, gives everyone the opportunity to be able to uh, celebrate a trophy this season, which would be well-deserved. And... Um, uh, clearly what uh, Schwartzy said uh, earlier on um, the challenge will be to uh, to keep some of their players which is uh, you know unfortunately um, still the case with a, a club like Liverpool um, certainly if teams like Barcelona or Real Madrid uh, come knocking and and, and uh, you've got Juventus in there as well who are, who are strong financially who could probably lure players away then it's going to be hard for Liverpool to hold on to them unless they take a different course and which would cost more money and pump up wages here and there. But a club with these sorts of ambitions and when you come so close to uh, to winning the EPL title, then uh, um, the logical path to take is, is to um, focus on uh, winning the title next season and doing everything uh, within... Um, within your means to make that uh, happen, and they they will uh, knowing Klopp as well, he will look back on this season, and knowing they've put in a fantastic season, but uh, at the same time try to rectify the mistakes that they've made in, in those games where they did drop points, um, and go into detail and and uh, work out a way and a path um, for how to do things better next season. Because if you if you look at uh, how it is, you you've <laughs> You've got to aim at almost uh, getting a hundred points to win the title up against this Manchester City side. Oh, I just—I'm trying to put myself in a Liverpool fan's shoes right now. Uh, you've gone ninety-seven points and haven't won the league. That's won you twenty-five of the other Premier Leagues in history. 
how, <laughs> how did they feel about that over there today, Ned? It, is it almost just like, um, well, hands in the air, we couldn't have done any more? Yeah, there's mixed feelings. I mean, uh, there are people that think, you know, we've, uh, we did all we could, but there are others looking back, and uh, rightfully so. It's, uh, at, you know, a scenario where you're seven points ahead, and um, certainly I feel um, dropping points against uh, uh, United at Old Trafford, um, dropping points against Everton or, or West Ham, those are the ones that, you know, you just had to win one of those and you would have been through. And I think it would have put um, a, a different pressure on Manchester City as well. If, if they'd won one of those games... Um, Manchester City, I don't think they would have gone 14 games uh, and won them in a row, sorry. Um, so those, those are the ones that um, I, I think the Liverpool coaching staff will look back on and, and uh, going into next season as well, um, work out a way to, uh, to rectify the mistakes that they made. And um, I think the fans uh, will be, you know, will come out of this season strong, especially if they go on to win the Champions League. Bridgie, where does this city side sit in the pantheon of champions? Oh, it, it's it's up there. Um, you think of the record points tally that they, they've achieved, the, the, the manner in which they've done it this season when they've been chased down. But I still look at the Arsenal side. I still look at the Arsenal side of 2003-04. You know the unbeaten, the you know the Invincibles, unbeaten all season. Twelve draws that season, twenty six wins, no losses. That was a special team for me, and it'll actually play against them as well. I've never played against a City team. I've admired them. I've watched them. I think the style of play is beautiful, but that Arsenal team to actually play against them and witness how dynamic they were and how strong and hard they were to beat. For me, that they, that was the season where we saw something special as well. Schwartzy, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's hard to argue with the fact that the Arsenal, Arsenal side, the Invincibles, were, were phenomenal. I mean, they used to give me nightmares for, for many years in a row uh, playing against Arsenal. Um, I think Man United as well, you know, in the, the sort of late 90s were, were exceptional. Just that, yeah, I remember, you know, Old Trafford on a, a couple of occasions, you kind of took a lead. Um, and just the, the, the stadium, how it lifted the team and the relentless wave of wave of attack and you know, top quality players and just knew how to deal with the pressure, knew how to win games, knew how to, how to, how to you know, lift their game, pull themselves out of a hole. Um, yeah, listen, it's a different game with who's on since then, but you talk about, you know, formidable sides and, 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 and admiring a team and go down as, as some of the great teams ever. I mean, that's any side. You have to look at it and have to categorise it as one of the greatest, you know, sides to have played in the Premier League. You know, to finish on 98 points to win the Premier League title... And, you know, and, and the cruelty of it all is that, you know, how many people in, in, in five years' time will necessarily remember that man, uh, that Liverpool actually finished second on 97? Probably, you know, there'll still be some, but it won't be as many. You know, people tend to forget who finished second. People just remember who won the title and how many titles they've won. And, and, and that's, the, unfortunately, that's the harsh reality of it. Um, but, like I said before, you, you can't take anything away from what Liverpool achieved this season. In, in the league, they've been sensational. Um, they're, they're just key moments, as, as you'll always look back and say, we just didn't have enough to beat uh, an unbelievable Manchester City side to pick them in the post. Any other season, they would have won the title. Um, and this, unfortunately for them, was the one that just didn't work. Ned, what about you? 
Yeah, look, I'd have to agree with uh, the, that Arsenal side, the Invincibles, a magnificent team. But um, you know, you have to you have to look back and um, and also give credit to uh, to uh, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea early on when he came in. I mean, that was uh, the, those guys were just monsters in defence, just so resilient. And um, but these two teams, um, I mean, they have racked up a lot of points. But at the same time, they've really gone out and entertained and played magnificent football. And that's not easy to do, to be able to combine the two and and um, and, and be really successful. Um, so you have to certainly give Man- this Manchester City side a lot of credit what they've done this season. Um, but uh, but both sides, really, I think, uh, will, will stick out in the memory what they did this season. And, and um, just this epic battle that they had uh, right, right till the end. And, you know, um, there's expectations for, for more as well in the future. You know, you've got two coaches who are really still really hungry and uh, still have many years ahead as well in their coaching careers. So it's going to be really interesting uh, when these guys uh, um, just keep this battle going for years to come. Bridget, do you think we'll, be, we'll see a sequel of uh, Klopp v Guardiola again next season? More of this? Can Liverpool keep it going? Oh, I would say so. They're going to challenge each other all the way yet again. They, you know, This season, what I've admired as well about the two managers and the two teams going, you've got the Golden Glove. That was again, Alisson won that with 21 clean sheets against Edison with 20 clean sheets. So that's again City against Liverpool. Before the game kicked off today, Salah, 22, 22 goals going for the Golden Boot. Um, Aguero... What was it? 20, 20, 20. 20 goals. Gets his goal to 21. Mane then gets a goal to become joint top scorer with Salah. And then Aubameyang became... the. So there was 22 goals shared between three people. The, the battles were just going at the top end of the pitch, at the back end of the pitch with the goalkeepers, and obviously for the title race. And I think this will continue into next season exactly the same. They're going to push each other again. Spurs are going to have some money to spend. Um, by all accounts, they're going to have to sell a few. They're going to be in the mix. Sorry if he's still there. We'll have another chance with Chelsea. It's just going to be incredible. And Solskjaer's got it all to do if he wants to get back in the mix because their last game, he's going to be remembered for getting beat by Cardiff 2-0. And I'm going to I'm going to wind Mel up when we do the next gig and pod. <laughs> Mel McLaughlin is getting it. She said, don't mention that result again. Yes, I'm going to mention that every day on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bridget, what's going to happen? What, what's going to happen, Bridget? Now, if, uh, if Tottenham in the Champions League, Pochettino said he's in the he's going to leave. What happens then? Mate, you better, get me a, you better get me a big box of tissues because I will be crying my bloody eyes out for weeks, <laughs> mate. Well, gents, as, yeah. as Bridgie said, we are going to talk about all those big issues in our, on our season review show this week with Mo McLaughlin, Paul Ocon and Bridgie. But Schwartzy and Ned, thank you so much for joining us after your busy days over in England. Brilliant stuff. We can't wait to see all the reports filing back and uh, enjoy the festivities of, uh, well, being over there and, and for Schwartzy being part of the, the, the premiership winning uh, moment for Manchester City. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Take care. And Bridgie? Get home safely, and we'll see you again uh, midweek for the next episode of The Gag and Pod. And for everyone else out there as well, have a great week, and enjoy the football, and enjoy all the reaction to Manchester City winning back-to-back Premier League titles. And until next time, enjoy your football. Enjoy your football.